0: Time for the best coverage of the top stories in sports. The Sports Wrap with Jason Page starts now. Good to have you with us on this Thursday, December 7th, 2023. I am Jason. Thursday night football preview up ahead. Sam Yarnell will hang out with us as he always does. Odds and ends. Big trade in Major League Baseball. Woo! Yankees got a big prize, but for how long will they have them? Uh, We'll get into all of that, but we start the program out tonight with the NBA. A couple of good games last night around the association. Of course, uh, Clippers starting to do some things. Beat the Nuggets last night. We'll get into that. Uh, Also, the NBA in-season tournament Semi-final action tonight in Vegas, Vegas baby. We say hello to our friend, uh, the great Kurt Heelan, hangs out with us here on the show. Get some thoughts with him on all things... NBA and Kurt, um, you know, give me some thoughts here first before we get to the in-season tournament stuff. Uh, give me some thoughts here on, on what we're seeing from a Clippers team that looks like it's starting to gel a bit. And we knew at some point we were going to see it, but, you know, how far does that take them long term? We don't know, uh, but certainly you're starting to see some signs of this team coming together a bit.
1: Yeah, they feel like the team moving into that second tier in the West where it's, yeah, I know they beat Denver last night, but look, we know Denver is going to be more like the 9-2 and two elite team when they get, when, when push comes to shove, Denver's going to be very good. And then there's this whole second tier in the West where it's, you know, the Lakers or and Timberwolves and stuff where you're like, yeah, but are they going to be good enough in the playoffs? Are they really good enough to threaten this team? I feel like the Clippers are moving into that territory where – Night in, night out, there's still kinks to work out. It's not always smooth. Then, obviously, the the health question looms over this team like no other. But there are nights like last night where you're like, hey, this team's pretty good. Like, hey, when things click and they're kind of – I mean, they're still playing next to each other a lot, Jason. You're not seeing guys move off of each other. But Mm -hmm. when Westbrook's out there pushing the pace with the second unit, when Harden's finding guys with his passing, you can start to see what this team could be. And they've got enough guys to be – good defensively, like, you could see how this gets built into a threat by Tyler.
0: Yeah, and you know, the thing is, and I heard somebody talking about this last night on one of the on one of the post games, they don't need all three to be great every night, no. because in any one night, they're always going to have probably one guy who's do, who's able to sort of dominate. on an, Some nights it might be Westbrook, some nights it might be Kawhi. The other thing with Kawhi, too, it doesn't seem like there's any restrictions being put on them. Like, he's, he's playing, and it's so nice to see one of the greatest talents in the game actually playing a lot.
1: Yeah, I'm going to reach behind and knock on wood really quickly. <laughs> yes, I, I, that's, though, it. I mean, they haven't – this is the longest stretch of games Kawhi Leonard and Paul George have played together. I think it's now up to 20, 20 or 21 now. That's the longest stretch of games they have played together healthy in five years, mm-hmm. literally. I mean, and – so, yeah, it's – if you're like – they've been together forever, but especially when you throw Harden and Westbrook in, there's just a lot for them to still figure out. But they're starting to figure it out. They're starting to look at it like a team that can make this work. And having Tra- Terrence Mann out there, giving him another defender so that they're still strong on that end, but actual shooting in the from the corners just makes them that much more dangerous. There's a lot to like with this team. It's just – fool me once fool me twice fool me a third time by then jason i i feel like i'm just hesitant to jump on kurt hill
0: kurt hill and a pro basketball talk at nbcsports.com hanging out with us here on the show nuggets fall at uh the clippers last night uh let's talk about the nba in-season tournament you know we were talking about it off air i don't think any of us thought it was going to kind of be this big in the first season did we
1: no I, I I was one of the cynics and I I think you were a little bit I was one like is this really yeah. gonna take off is it gonna is, are guys gonna really care are they going yeah the players are buying in the the games have been good and entertaining fans seem at least in the arena have seemed to have bought in TV ratings seem are up but like the vibe in I was at the Laker suns game not quite playoff level but pretty pretty close to playoff level Indiana where they have desperate for something to cheer about. That place went nuts. I think Sacramento would have been if their team had been competitive in that game. Like, I think the fans have bought in and are excited about this too. And at least enough that this is going to work. I mean, we're going to see it next year in a tweaked format. Um, And I think it might be around to stay and some of the weirdness of it, like the wild card in, I don't know, five, seven years, whenever they finally finish the, expansion and get these teams you know the Vegas and Seattle teams rolling well then you don't even have to do that man you can put together eight groups of four boom done and group winner advances and you can kind of get there a little more easily the math works a little better so I think we're going to see this for a while it seems to have taken off and it's caught people's imagination at least this first year it's caught people's imagination at a time when when we're really focused on is can the steelers and patriots actually score 30 points in a game tonight <laughs> you know when when you've got that you can go up against the when you've got lakers pelicans and zion against lebron you can at least kind of go up against that thing
0: um and it's also at a time of the year where it feels like you're starting, these teams have more of an identity. You know, like yeah. 10 games ago, we're still going, all right, it's just 10 to 12 games. Now you're a quarter of the way through the season, and it's a little easier to handicap or prognosticate what we think we might see because there's a healthy sample of what yeah. these teams are, you know, through 20, you know, anywhere 19 yeah. to 20 games, whatever it is by this stage of the season. With that said, sort of break down what you think of these two semifinal matchups. Start with Indiana and Milwaukee.
1: Uh, bet the over. <laughs> um, you have the number one offense by. I'm going to go look in that Indiana.
0: up now. I got to go see what the top. Oh my God. It's, it's 250. It's 257. Numbers. Wow. Yeah. And I, I'd
1: still be taking the over. Um, yeah. it's, it's, it's the number one and number three offense in the leagues. Two of the five fastest pace teams in the league. Yeah. The. Pacers are legend, you know, legendarily bad on defense. They're twenty eighth in the league right now. And you, your thought is, well, the Bucks? No, their defense has not been good this year, Jason. And that's kind of been the cons- as much as anything. Adrian Drew came in and
0: Drew Holiday was yeah. a
1: huge loss. Yes, yeah, if you're swapping out Drew Holiday for, um, you know, Damian Lillard, who's legend again, just not a good defender. You're also Adrian Griffin came in and that was the end. He, I don't know, for reasons I don't understand. That was the end he kind of messed with. He wanted to be more aggressive. He wanted Brooke Lopez out high. They're playing more drop coverage. They're trying to get back, but it's hard to get back against Indiana because that team runs after makes runs after misses. They just get up and down the court and don't let you get set. Tyrese Halliburton has been I don't, top five player in the league. Maybe just just so far this season. He's just been, I think it's 27 points and almost 12 assists a game. He's been phenomenal, so I think that that's going to be wildly entertaining. Um, I I figure the Bucks win because they're just they're the, also the best clutch team. That's what Damian Lillard's brought them. They have been the best. He's been the best clutch player. They've been the best clutch team in the league. So I'll take the I'll take the Bucks in a close one at the end. Lakers Pelicans it, plus what fun storylines? Hey, Brandon Ingram, you want to get a shot at your old team? Mm. <laughs> you know, um, Anthony Davis. Your old team, um, much slower pace, but the, a the NBA. How happy is the NBA, Jason, that the Lakers made it there?
0: Well, they, they did everything they could to make sure they wound <laughs> up there. Just ask the Suns.
1: Yeah, it. Uh, that th- they will fill the building. There's a lot of Laker fans already in Vegas. Absolutely. Plus, that is a as, as we know, a very short drive flight. So a lot of Laker fans will fill that building tonight. It'll it will feel like a Laker home game. I was at that game against the Suns. That is the best defense I've seen the Lakers play. I don't mm-hmm. think getting Jared Vanderbilt back can be understated for how much that matters. Cause suddenly they've got Vanderbilt, Torian Prince, Cam Reddish out on the wings. That's three long athletic, good defenders that they can roll at guys. Um, we'll see if that stops the pace the, the, where, where they might struggle is inside. And that's where the Pelicans have been great. The Pelicans got healthy too, by the way, Ter- getting, uh, Man, um, no, I want to see Terrence Mann back. Uh, Tr- you Trey almost Murphy did back. that the other day. Oh, I <laughs> and get Trey Murphy back <laughs> is huge for them, yeah. just because he and C.J. McCollum back from the, the collapsed lung. Now they've got floor spacing. Now they've got shooting. So that, I think that that I think this is going to be a close game. The Pelicans are playing really well. If Zion gets inside and is ten for ten in the restricted area again. The Lakers are in trouble because they'll just end up fouling him, and he'll get to the line where he's shooting well this year. If they can keep them on the perimeter and turn them into more of a jump shooting team, where the Pelicans are dangerous is Brandon Ingram drives or Zion cuts and gets the ball. They're in the paint, and you collapse on them. Now they've got the shooting to make you pay for that. The Lakers have the length on defense, I think, to contest and really bother guys. And so I kind of like them in this matchup, but I think it's going to be close.
0: I'll tell you this. I think the NBA would be thrilled if they got a Lakers Bucks. Oh, that would final be, in this tournament. I mean that that's the dream be, scenario for them. I mean, yeah. as close as you can get to one.
1: And I think that, and
0: that's they played some, e- and they played some entertaining games last no, year think, too. I'll, I'll sign up is, for
1: that. Yeah, it, and I think it's what you want in this tournament because I'm, I'm not sure like the Lakers beat you know could beat Denver and and or you know, in this case the Suns and get to the final. Could they do that over seven games? It's a very different. It's a very different question than it's. It's what we love about the NCAA tournament, right? Yeah. Hey, man, you, Long Beach State has a chance when they go up against you know Duke or whatever, like because it's one game and you get hot from three and you can do it. So I, I think that that's going to be the fun of these games tonight too.
0: Yeah, I would tend to um, agree with you on that. Can I ask you one last thing before we go? I texted you about this sure. last night. It feels like early on in this season, there are a ton of just enormously lopsided games that mm. we're seeing around the league. I don't know if it's more or less than in previous years. We always have a tendency to, yeah. to be sort of in the moment with these things. But my God, I mean, there, I'm seeing some crazy lopsided finals, uh, final scores in some of these games. Is it just me?
1: No, it's felt that way a little bit, and I, I, I think last night I felt like there were all these big games. You know, Embiid has fifty. Although, if you have to get fifty to beat the Wizards in a relatively close game, that doesn't make me feel good. Kind of like, wow, hey, finally the the Warriors got a win. Like, yeah, it took them down to the felt like last a must, and it that, felt like a win they desperately needed, Kurt. And it felt like can you lo- can you have a bad win? Cause it really wasn't Jonathan Kuminga came off the bench and saved them in the second half or they, they would not have won that game. Um, but yeah, I think, I think that there's, there's more haves and have nots this year. And I, I, maybe this flattens out over time, but I also it just feels like there are teams letting go of the rope in games a little bit and just kind of, there's been some ugly, ugly losses and there's seven or eight just, pretty bad teams, and yeah. if you catch them, if you catch Detroit right now, you you know, Desmond Baines going off for 49 against them last night. Like, if you catch the bad teams right now, it leads to some just ugly outcomes.
0: I haven't seen much of uh, of Wemby lately. How's he, how's he been playing?
1: He's actually been playing pretty well, um, all things considered. It's just they're not a good defensive team. They're not a good team right now, and they're letting him – as I think I've used the phrase before. They're letting me explore the studio space. They're posting him up. They're telling him to face up. They're He's bringing the ball up. He's showing a lot of potential. He's still getting blocks. He's still putting up numbers. He's got, I think, 19 points a game and, and double-digit boards. But this isn't a good team. And the Jeremy Sohan, maybe he turns into a good point guard down the line, but that experiment to get there has been painful. And they just, they're not a good team with it. Kurt Heelan, uh,
0: pro basketball talk at NBCSports.com. He does a terrific job over there. Kurt, always appreciate it, my friend. Be well. Take care. We're coming back. Sammy Arnell stops by a big trade in Major League Baseball, the Yankees and Padres, with Juan Soto headed to the Bronx. How long will he be there, though? That's the question. The Yankees gave up a lot for him. He better be there a while. We're back with more of the Sports Wrap. continues on this Thursday. I'd like to say we have a good NFL game to preview, but we don't. But we'll do it anyway in 15 minutes, along with the top NFL headlines of the day. But we got a baseball trade to talk about. We got some some baseball to get into with my man Sam Yarnell. Hangs out with us every day on the show. By the way, Sam, because we know you love the betting stuff, obviously as we all do, who doesn't? Um... When I talked to Kurt Heelan in the last segment, uh, which you probably didn't get to hear, he said, take the over in Pacers-Bucks. 257 tonight. And they both score a ton of points. I mean, neither of those teams are playing good defense. Bucks are trying to get better. The Pacers just don't care. They'll score 140 and give
2: up 135. So there you go tonight. I'm sprinkling on the Pacers tonight, Jason. Listen, if it were a seven game series, I'd understand there's no logic, but I'm seeing numbers out there on the Pacers that are like four to one. Uh, I I think early, early this morning, I saw seven to one somewhere. You're saying to win the whole,
0: you're saying to win the whole tournament.
2: Correct. Yeah. But in a one game series with the Bucks, man. I like the Pacers, and hey, figure out the other side of it when you come out of it. I, I like the Pacers in this spot.
0: Plus one sixty six tonight. Bucks minus one ninety eight. One ninety eight,
2: if you're speaking properly,
0: uh, on the money line, and it's the Pacers plus five, the Bucks minus five. Two fifty seven again, the gaudy total. If you like points tonight, uh, you're gonna enjoy that. Five p.m. Eastern start time. By the way
2: weird. Yeah, it's
0: 2 p.m. I'm going to have basketball to watch at 2 o'clock in the afternoon on a weekday out here. It's like day baseball. It's fantastic. Uh, All right, let's talk about it. Yankees make a big deal. Um, Go and trade for Juan Soto, which a lot of people thought they were working on it. They were trying to get it done when they went and got Alex Verdugo a couple days ago. People were like, eh, maybe, maybe not. Maybe they're going to use him to flip to get him. Now, all of a sudden, you look at a Yankee outfield that has Aaron Judge, Juan Soto, and Alex Verdugo for at least one year. They bring in Trent Grisham in this deal as well. They give up five arms, though. And I was talking to people last night, some friends of mine, who were like, well, you know, it's it's a great deal. They didn't give up anybody. They gave up pitching depth. They gave up, Michael King is going to potentially be a top of rotation guy. He has that kind of ability. And then you give up Weiser, you give up Vasquez, you give up Brito. All these guys, you know, they've pitched. They've been giving up a lot of pitchers here over the last few days. And it makes you wonder, does that mean Yamamoto... Is the next target for the Yankees, and there seems to be a lot of reporting out there. Not to move on from the Soto thing so quick because we do have to talk about it, but it makes you wonder if Yamamoto is the next target for the Yankees, who have had a tradition of bringing in, you know, Masahiro Tanaka was a big time pitcher, and and there is thought uh, there is thought that Yamamoto doesn't want to go to the Mets because Senga is thought to sort of be that guy for them, and he's going to want a place where his star could shine. What better
2: place than right across the river where he'd pitch for the Yankees? Anyway, move away from that. Uh, Well, wait, 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 wait. wait. I just got to interject. This is such a classic Yankee fan coming out. We just got, not we because I hate the Yankees, but the Yankees just got... Maybe the best young hitter since Ted Williams in Major League Baseball. And oh, who's the next shiny object that we can have? We got this one already. My goodness. Can we not? Can you not just be happy for 10 seconds that you got the best young hitter in baseball? And here's
0: why. And here's why I can't. It's a one year deal. Scott Boris is his agent. And you gave up a ton to get essentially right now what is a rent a player. Is there any totally. chance that he signs a deal and doesn't go to free agency? No, he's gonna no. he's gonna want to find out how much he can get. And it, it, there's I, I saw some some you know articles and things like that out there last night suggesting the Padres got the better of this deal. One we don't know if the Yankees ink Soto to a long term deal, then the Yankees you know, could potentially get the better end of the deal. If this winds up being a one-year-and-done and the Yankees don't win a World Series in that one year, it's a horrible deal for the
2: Yankees. It's a great day to be me. It's a great day to be a Washington Nationals fan. How, how are you going to spin this
0: into the Nationals? That's what I want. The
2: Washington... Know. Oh, my gosh. The wa- I mean, shout-out to Coley Mick over at Underdog Fantasy. He had a great tweet yesterday that kind of embodied all of this. The San Diego Padres essentially traded C.J. Abrams, Mackenzie Gore, James Wood, who's the number one prospect in baseball, uh, Jarlin Susanna, and Robert Hassel third for Michael King uh, and like, the other prospects Kyle Higashi-Oka. Like, probably not Don't forget, gonna, don't yeah, forget Kyle Higashioka. Higashi-Oka. Right? Right. So the Washington Nationals coming out huge from this trade. It was awesome. I also think that when you talk about Soto re signing, we really need to look at this for what it is. This is a one year contract. He will not re sign with the Yankees. He'll definitely about not re sign during the season. Because that—that's the Scott Boris method. Scott Boris is very anti his players re-signing with teams unless it's at an insane tax. But the Yankees the could, season. if
0: any team could afford to give what Boris the is going to Nationals, want to, it's,
2: it's him. Offered Juan Soto four hundred and forty million yes, dollars. So wait, but because so that gives us the assumption that Boris's price tag has now gone up. So say the Yankees do pay him that. Now Soto's making more money than Judge. Now Soto's the highest paid player on your team. That's going to create a lot of problems in that locker room. I know Aaron Judge has been this good guy, wholehearted captain of the team. When he's the captain and he just signed a huge contract last year and you're already signing a guy to get paid more than him, that's going to create a lot of waves. The Yankees got to understand where they're at and understand that their window right now is this big. Is it ten for six hundred for Soto? You think?
0: You know, at at,
2: at
1: twenty
0: five years old, I think the Otani old,
2: deal will dictate it.
0: I, see, I I don't think so because Otani's a unicorn. He's pitching and he's hitting. You know, whether well, who knows when he pitches again, but you know, he's pitching and he's hitting. I, I I think it's I think it's unfair to to compare the to compare those deals. I think Otani's going to blow it out of the park, and I don't think anybody's going to come close to it.
2: I don't think the numbers will necessarily be similar, but I think that whatever a major league organization proves they're willing to pay for Shohei Otani will give Scott Boris leverage to say you should pay us more than whatever I expected before. So if it's if it's five fifty right now and Otani signs for seven eighty, I think it turns into six hundred the morning after.
0: Yeah, see Otani. They're talking about maybe. I mean, you're probably looking at what seventy. You know, probably 70 a year for Otani? Yeah, kind of, 70 sort of, 70, year.
2: 72 is probably... I would bet you that there are a bunch of 70s out there right now, and 72 gets it done, kind Ten, of, But how of. many years? You did, eight? Eight for 70 how per bad. year? How bad do you want to handcuff your franchise? That's the... Like, and it may not be a bad handcuff. You may be handcuffing them to a to a briefcase full of a zillion dollars. That may be what you're handcuffing them to. But if you like, you're talking ten years. That's a handcuff to something, no matter what.
0: Yeah, I'm curious to see uh, to see what it all means. But I mean, nobody's going to get the Otani money. You know, like everything's going to come in just under that. That's going to be seen as the peak level, and then everything else, and then everything else will come in. Um, just underneath that. But the thing about Soto, he's still only 20. That's the thing that, that kind of blows your mind because it feels like he's been around a while already. He's 25 years old. Came <laughs> I mean, up as a 19-year-old. That's what I'm saying. I mean, you're getting this guy as a 25-year-old. And the other, here's the other thing about, about Soto, though. Played in Washington. Played in San Diego. He's never had to face the scrutiny he's going to face in the New York media. So... It's gonna be. It's gonna be again. And as we talked about yesterday, Verdugo coming from Boston, he knows what he's getting. He's he's had hell. He almost had fights with Yankee fans out in left field last year. He knows what he's getting from from, from playing in New York. It's a different animal for Soto. I'm I'm you know, we've seen great players wilt under the pressure of playing in New York. I hope Soto isn't
2: one of those guys for the sake of the Yankees, but uh, it's certainly a possibility. I mean, last time the Yankees traded for last, I mean, the two, the last two times the Yankees have traded for really big name outfielders. It has gone spectacularly wrong. So let's hope that this is the trend breaker. Yeah.
0: Hopefully Anthony Rizzo's healthy for that team next year. I'm worried about the pitching though. Uh, So I'm hopeful that Yamamoto is is on their radar because remember Severino's gone. King was expected to be a potential top of the rotation guy. Um, you know, for this team, based on a lot of the things they saw from him late in the season, Yankee rotation is really
2: thin right now. They got to get some arms in there. Would, it, is, would they make a move for Blake Snell, you think? They could. It, that'd be interesting. Imagine having uh, both like... of
0: last year's Cy Young Award winners in your rotation.
2: <laughs> I feel baseball like baseball would lose Snell... its mind. Goes a little bit against the Aaron Boone nineteen nineties two thousand three style of managing. I think Blake Snell is a little more of an analytics guy.
0: Glad you brought up brought up Aaron Boone. So I want I want to finish with them. This Juan Soto move yesterday and the shot over the bow to the rest of baseball of hey we're the Yankees we're still making the big splashy move and and this. You know, off season isn't even over yet, so who knows what else they might do. We go and get Verdugo, now we go and get and, and go and get uh Soto. This is it for Aaron Boone. He, mm-hmm. He'll win a championship this year, or at least it go to a World Series this year. It's over for Aaron Boone. Like they've mm-hmm. get, it's hey, we've we've stocked the kitchen with plenty of good things. It's time for you to cook up something good as the manager of this team, or it's over. It's a
2: wrap. Totally. Totally agree yeah, with you. Yeah. I think, quite frankly, Jason, I think if they're a team that's, you know, teetering with contention oh, I agree. at the halfway point, I, agree. I think he's gone. Yep. I think he's gone by the all-star break mm-hmm. if that's the case. Yep. Bring Buck Showalter in. Oh, God. Oh, oh yeah. I'm a Buck, Buck Showalter from no, baseball. No. I
0: hate that guy. I like Buck. Buck's our guy. We
2: love Buck. We love Buck. We love Buck. This is why the franchise has been run into the ground. Just so the viewers know, because Yankees fans want Aaron Boone and Buck Showalter to manage the team. I don't That's want why they Aaron Boone to a World Series in fifteen Buck. years. I want
0: Buck. I don't want Aaron Boone. I want Buck. Yeah, bring it all full circle.
2: He but was... when Girardi was done, you wanted Boone so bad, and I then Girardi went and was successful in Philadelphia. I didn't
0: necessarily want Boone. I was never really a big Boone guy. I love okay. him as a person. I've hung out with him, but I, no. No, I'm, not, I'm not a Boone guy as a manager because the problem is he's just a puppet. And I he's, want a manager. He's a one-home-run guy. Yeah, I, I got it. I was there for that one-home run. Stick around. We're coming back. We've got to get into some football talk. Thursday night football tonight. A game to die for. If Al Michaels was finally excited about Thursday night football after last week's game, may not be feeling the same way this week we're back with a preview and some nfl notes next sports wrap continues on this thursday odds and ends coming up in a few minutes to wrap up this extravaganza Pat McCabe on the show tomorrow. He's the tournament director at the American Express Championship, the first mainland event on the PGA Tour in 2024. Talk about the great field they have coming there and how last year's winner may not be there at all because he might be on the Live Tour. (laughs) John Rahm. Uh, So it's a bit of an issue for... uh, for him and probably any other event in the in the January, February sort of windows, whether or not John Rom will be a part of the uh, PGA tour this year. Sammy Arnell rejoins us. Let's talk a little bit about uh, Thursday night football, some other NFL notes to get to as well. Oh boy, well look, I mean, one of the games one of the teams in this game is obviously still in a position to do something and make the postseason as bad as they've been offensively. Uh, Patriots-Steelers tonight. You got the Patriots plus six, plus 210 uh, for the Patriots on the money line. Steelers minus 255. Just when we thought NFL totals couldn't get lower than, what, 33.5 last week on the Jets and Falcons, we've got 30 and a half. 30.5. On tonight's
2: game, Sam, I never thought I'd see that in an NFL game, uh, and I never thought I'd take the under, but I am. Oh, My God, how do these teams get to thirty know, points, man. Jason? I you're don't looking know. at you're looking at two guys who came into this season as the second and third string quarterbacks on their teams, respectively. Uh, I, I just don't see how a Mitch turbisky and Bailey Zappy offenses get to thirty points tonight. I'm going under. Sam, the Steelers,
0: you know me. You know I have been a, a, I've been nailing totals this year. And I can't tell you how they're getting over 30 and a half. I've got no idea. But is 17-14 that crazy? I mean really, be honest with yourself here. Is seven and the Patriots have lost yes, a lot of close yes. games this year.
2: Is 17-14 that nuts? Expecting both of these teams to score two touchdowns each when you've got the greatest defensive player in football right now touchdown. on touchdown of the sides of the ball. How about defensive touchdown? I'm gonna I'm gonna play my cards with the under and I'll hedge with Steelers touch Steelers defense touchdown.
0: I'm gonna tell you something. Let me tell you. I'm do my Justin Termini impression.
2: We agree on the Steelers minus six, though, right? There's no chance the Patriots oh no, we down. don't. We don't. I think it's going to
0: be a really close game. Patriots have lost a lot of close games. How many games have we seen the Patriots with the ball late with a chance to win or take a lead this year? And just because that offense is so bad, they can't do it. They've been in games. That defense isn't bad. That's not a bad defense. I, and again, that leans towards not a lot of scoring, and I get that that, that might be you know something that gets you towards the under. But I got to be honest, my gut, which got football on it today, thank you Snoopy, for those who can't see here. There we go. There we go. Um, my gut is telling me Patriots in the over. That's wild. I know it is. I know it is. And we don't parlay because we. If you parlay, you are parlaying to lose. So don't don't do a parlay. But I like
2: the over. And I kind of love the Patriots getting six tonight. Well, one of us is going to be very happy <laughs> <tomorrow>. <laughs> And
0: one of us. Because I'm going Steelers <laughs> and under.
2: Was... Chalk, chalk, chalk it up uh, to me. One of us is going to be terribly disappointed. Because
0: I do think they go hand in hand. I think if the Patriots win, it's going over. And I think if the Steelers win, it's going to it's be under.
2: Here's so. my justification for the under in this game. Okay. You put your ticket in on the under. Mm-hmm. You start out winning, right? You start the game winning because you're obviously under the point. Yep. There are two directions that this game can go, in my mind. It can either be the ugliest, most horrible, disgusting display of American football that we've seen on the gridiron this season, and there will be maybe... Let's not forget, there were six combined points in the last Patriots game. Six! There'll be another one of those, or you'll bet the under, the game will be insanely fun, it'll go soaring over, and you'll be glad you watched. To me, betting the under is a no-lose situation. Passing yard totals tonight. You ready for this? No. No, I'm not. Brace yourself. Brace yourself.
0: Mitchell Trubisky? Are they both triple
2: digits? Are they both triple digits? Yes, They're both triple digits. Okay.
0: Barely. Uh Trubisky, Trubisky is 180 and a half. No. And all these are minus 110, by the way. Bailey Zappy? Like I'm a, I might be a sucker tonight. I really might be the chumpy oh, jump. Bailey Zappy is 154 and a half. Are 150? you alting it up to
2: 175? <laughs> I'm not alting. I'm not you. I'm not alting anything. If he throws for 155, he's throwing for 175. I'm just saying. I'm just
0: I, I'm I'm total I'm guffawing at this at these totals. And by the way, there's another bet. Most passing yards of game, Trubisky is
2: minus 170, Zappy is plus
0: 132.
2: That might be if you're gonna play Bailey Zappi in some way. If you're going to tie me down and tell me that I got to put real hard-earned American <laughs> money on Bailey Zappi to do anything in a professional football game, that might be it. That he'll throw for more yards than Mitch Trubisky. I don't like that bet, but if I had to bet on Bailey Zappi, that would probably be the direction. <laughs> I've just, I might have to, I'm telling you, I might, I just got a hunch. That's, that's a wild one. Remember,
0: hunch, remember. I had, I had one when it came to the Bengals and the Jaguars the other day. I was I was I was good. You know, I, I thought the I thought the Jags were I thought that was a spot the Bengals could win. I got I got a feeling on this one. Got a feeling on this one. We'll see how it uh We'll see how it all shakes out. Um I want to get to this and it's it's a total 180 from the fun and frivolity of talking about uh Patriots and and Steelers tonight. This Hayden Hurst story that came down oh yesterday, God. and you won't see a lot about it on the big boy networks because the NFL don't want anybody talking about, you know, anything having to do with players becoming, you know, walking vegetables essentially. But this Hayden Hurst story that emerged yesterday with his father, um, you know, basically putting out information that he has suffered tra- post-traumatic amnesia an independent neurologist saying he suffered post traumatic amnesia after a concussion. And he doesn't think it's gonna be career ending, Hayden Hurst is saying, but his father was, you know, obviously concerned enough about it. And in a follow up post. Uh, Hayden Hurst said the following, I'm doing better each day. It's not going to end my career. Just being cautious as I come back should be another week or two. I appreciate everyone reaching out and checking on me. I suffered a pretty nasty concussion against the Bears a few weeks ago, and I don't remember up to four hours after the game. Scary situation, but the Panthers have been incredible walking me through this process. Uh, While it was scary, it is not in capital letters career ending. I'm starting my return to play this week, so... We'll see what happens, but, man, that is scary stuff.
2: It was wild. It was also a little bit misreported. I, I think that post, while post-traumatic amnesia may scientifically be the term for what Hayden Hurst is suffering, when I first read post-traumatic amnesia, I thought this guy got hit so hard he didn't know his own name like It was
0: General Hospital, and they are in bed going, Seriously, I don't know like, you, I my thought- wife. <laughs> it's like not, that not, guy.
2: Yeah. It's like that guy who gets shot, and he didn't even know he got shot yeah. until the police show up at his door because yeah. they heard the shots fire. It's like that. That's what I was expecting to hear from this whole Hayden Hurst thing. And I think the father actually went back and deleted the post because people were getting thrown the wrong direction. It's great to hear that it'll be coming back. It's scary stuff, and, and I mean, we talk about it all the time. Every season, there's something like this, right? Damar Hamlin this time last year uh it's tough we are getting it seems closer and closer to the actuality of football uh which is something that somehow for the last 50 years we've avoided maybe it's the weightlifting regimens or, or the chemicals that these athletes are putting in their bodies at this point I don't know but I think that we're in the next couple of years here gonna Teeter even more across this line with uh, the real dangerousness of football.
0: Yeah. Like I said, if you're a mother and a father, how are you letting your kid play? With all the information that's out there, if you haven't checked it out, the New York Times did an incredible piece about CTE in athletes and this study that was done recently. And again, it got no play on the major sports networks because they just want to—they want to pretend this crap doesn't exist, that all these injuries don't exist, that you know these life-changing sorts of conditions like CTE don't exist. So it takes actual reporting. ESPN's not a news network; it's entertainment. It's not. It's not. It's. It's. Does it have reporters? Yes, but most of them all have opinions. They are all getting paychecks from ESPN, who are getting paychecks from the National Football League and the NHL and soccer and all these different things. So, so they're not going to report. They're not going to report on these things that shine a negative light on sports, like CTE, Um, which is one of the reasons why I think it's important to look for independent sources or or news companies that actually can cover these things without any sort of bias and are just looking to get the truth um scary and like i said if i had a kid today i'd never let him play football i'm glad of all the things i did growing up football was the one sport i did not play competitively like in high school or anything like that outside of you know the schoolyard stuff uh sam it's always fun my man
2: have yourself a wonderful day we'll see you on friday for page versus the prince I think they're gonna be less than 20 points scored in the game tonight, Jason. You're gonna
0: alt it down to like 20? Does he do you even alt have it. that
2: option? Alt it down under 21 and a half.
0: Oh, you're gonna be getting all sorts of texts from me tonight. Better 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 block me tonight. <laughs> <laughs> Might have to. Sam Yarnell, ladies and gentlemen. We're back with odds and ends. It's the sports Wrap. Alright, time to close things out. Odds and ends and breaking news as we finish the show. In the last segment, you may have heard me discussing uh, that the director of the American Express Championship on the PGA Tour, Pat McCabe, would be a guest on Friday's edition of the Sports Wrap. And we were kind of talking about the fact that one of the big questions he's going to have to answer is, you know, how do these tournaments sort of move forward not knowing... If some of the big stars from the PGA Tour are going to be on live, how it's affecting these events, ticket sales, all of that. And we mentioned the name John Rahm. Well, the news has broken. John Rahm is headed to live golf. Barring a last second change, Mark Slayball, writing for ESPN today, uh, full credit to him on this, says that John Rahm reportedly headed to live a deal to be longer than three years. Is what the story is saying for more than three hundred million dollars. Wow, and that's just breathtaking when you think about you know this whole Live Golf PGA Tour saga and John Rom uh, deciding to leave the PGA Tour to go play for Live Golf again. Barring a last second change of heart, this is going to happen. And part of his deal allows him to have a stake in a new team because they do the team golf thing over at Live. And that team golf thing would mean they're going to be recruiting more guys to leave the PGA Tour to go to Live, all while them and the PGA Tour are trying to get a deal done to sort of join forces. I don't know how any of this uh, is going to wind up shaking out. Over the next few days, uh, John Norris is like one of the VPs of the PGA Tour. He's on the board. Um, he's one of those that's involved with the business side of it. And he was at this this event that I was at the other day, the reason I was off from the show on Tuesday. And he had sort of floated the idea that he thought an announcement between Liv and the PGA Tour Um, was imminent within the next this week or next week was his words that we might be seeing an announcement on finalizing the deal uh, with the parameters they had put in place previously. But now, with this, who the hell knows? I mean, you have such a fractured tour. And with more guys jumping ship to live, we know the outrage that was there because of the Saudi uh, private investment fund or public investment fund uh, that's obviously... Sort of spearheading everything that Live Golf has been doing. You sort of had this cooling off period between the PGA Tour and Live where nobody was really joining Live. And now you have Live Golf in the midst of these negotiations going and basically pilfering the PGA Tour and taking arguably one of the best players in the world away from the PGA Tour and on to Live. I don't know how all this ends, uh, but it's going to be fascinating to watch. Uh, We'll obviously keep reporting on it as as we get more details. We'll see if we can get a guest on it tomorrow on the show to sort of break it down and what all of it means as far uh, as Live Golf and the PGA Tour are concerned. That's going to wrap it up for us today. We'll be back on Friday. Page versus the Prince. NFL picks. We'll see how the Patriots and Steelers fare Tonight in Pittsburgh, take the over 30 and a half. Take the Patriots plus the points. For Sam Yarnell, I'm Jason Page. Thanks to Kurt Heelan as well. We're back with you tomorrow for a Friday edition of the Sports Wrap. Have a great day.